you and we're ready to roll. Um, so let's review. As I'm looking around, I'm seeing some people that have been here for the whole time, I think, and then some people that are here for the first time for this message. So I'm going to fly through the DAR real quick, and then this morning we'll jump into evangelical. So devotional and atmosphere, like those two components, Jeff, again, he did a really good job of laying those out for us, right? Um, in our, our devotional life, it's this time where we get to spend with the Lord, and it requires us kind of breaking up with ourselves, breaking up with comfort in order to get to that place where we can still ourselves and quiet ourselves. So if we're never breaking up with comfort, we're, we're likely never getting to a place of meaningful devotion with the Lord. Uh, he talked about how quiet time is more than like what our parents often give us sometimes, which is don't do that, right? Or do this, like instructions. It's more than just instructions. It's, it's a personal relationship. It's a time where we can just get quiet and enjoy God's presence. And that reframe was really valuable, right? Because I think a lot of times it's that check-the-box mentality or go-through-the-motions mentality and this, this reshift, this reframe of I get to just sit with my God. That was really good from that first week. And how that is a day-by-day, but also like moment-by-moment. So, yeah, we have that time in the morning, hopefully, so that our mind is renewed according to God's Word, but then it's something that we meditate on throughout the day. It's not this one-off thing. It's this conversation that happens cyclically throughout the day, and it's with us, right? So devotionally, that empowers our atmosphere that we have together as a group. So you guys are all coming in here this morning. You're like, wow, this, this atmosphere feels really different. You probably didn't think that. I, I hope you didn't think that. You might have because we're talking about it. But um, 10, of our, 10 of our class leaders and students combined are in Boston this morning. So they're probably, I don't know what time they meet on Sunday. Do they meet on Sunday evenings, right? Boston still? But the Boston church meets Sunday evenings, right? So they're going to be meeting tonight, but they're up there already. They're probably out in the community trusting the Lord for these types of things today, right? Um, Building relationships and then sharing the gospel. So our individual, this was the key point that Jeff made, our individual devotional lives influence greatly the atmosphere that we have as we come together. Right? So if we're coming in trusting the Lord with expectation that we'll hear from Him, that's what's going to happen. If we come together and we're, we're responding to whatever the Lord has for us from His Word, we're lifting up our hands and our hearts and all that we are in worship, we'll get to see and they get to join in too. So man, our, our, our atmosphere is determined by our devotional lives. And then last week we looked at just the relationships that God calls us to, right? God designed us to be in relationship not only with himself but with others as well he said it wasn't good it is good that we're we're together with the lord but it's even better whenever we have those types of relationships those vulnerable relationships with other people so we talked through that a bit um, how it's important to prioritize souls instead of ourselves but we're going to be prioritizing one of those things at every moment in our lives because we can't serve two masters and then practically if we're struggling relationally you just take the first step. Show yourself friendly. Show yourself friendly. Be friendly towards other people. Uh, prioritize those people, those souls, over tasks that feel so pressing, those deadlines that are all over the place. And then as you get to join people in that, love them and point them to the truth of God's Word. So I, I feel like it's been a really beneficial series so far. I hope you've gleaned a lot from it as well. Um, today we're going to finish it. So this will be our last time being together junior high and high school for at least a little while. (laughs) Um, But with that, let's hit our thesis for this morning. 
So our thesis for our evangelism, I said that weird <laughs> evangelism message this morning, is we all need to grow in our evangelism. We all need to grow in terms of our declaration of what is true that Jesus has done. So, Father, thank you for this morning. God, we want to come with expectation that you'd speak to our hearts. God, that I wouldn't just be up here droning on um, about what your word says, but that your spirit, through your word, would convict hearts and move us to a place of obedience and reflection and consideration as to what you've done and, God, how good that is. You've been so abundantly rich to us in giving us a gift of eternal life, and we want to hold that with gravity this morning. But we need your help because we're tired or our eyes are puffed shut or whatever it is. We've got these things that will get in the way of us hearing what we and moving forward in the way that we glorify you. So we need your help. I just ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so this morning there's, like, if, when you think of this topic, evangelism, again, just like last week and every other week that we've looked at, there's literally, you could go so many different directions. So we're going to try and keep it really simple. Uh, and jump into just a little bit of it. So the first little section is on your slot or on your handout. It says commissioned, commanded, and committed. These are three things that God has done with His um, with His mission towards us. So you guys are familiar with these passages, but again, as as they <clears throat> as they're heard, as you're looking upon them, consider where you stand in light of what God has commissioned, commanded, and committed to your trust. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, it says, Jesus came and spake unto them, them being his disciples, saying, All power, this is like super flex, right? <laughs> All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. How much do you bench? All power. <laughs> He's just got like the ability to do it all. Like he can do whatever he wants. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says that their responsibility is to go to every nation. Like these 12 or 70, like whatever the group of people is in Matthew 28 that he's talking to. He says their responsibility is to go to every nation in the world and teach them to believe the things that he had taught them and then walk in those things. So simple enough, right? Gosh, no. Oh, no. Like that, I'd be like, that'd be bad news if I was one of those dudes sitting there. I'd be like, I've seen you do a lot, Jesus, but that is a big, big call. That is all nations. Like, they don't even know what that means. Like, they've got a geographical understanding around the Mediterranean, but they don't even know what that would mean. They don't even understand the scope of that call or that commission initially. Um, Jesus doubles down in Mark 16, 15. He says unto them, to his disciples again, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So he says, man, don't miss anybody. We talked about the importance of souls last week. Don't miss anybody. Don't overlook anybody. Preach the gospel to every creature. Go to the whole world, preach it to every person, and let them know that Jesus Christ came to solve the sin problem which we all look directly at, which we all face. And we're lost in darkness, but Jesus death, burial, and resurrection, it, it, it makes us reconciled back to the Father. We rebelled from Him, but He made us right through that gift of eternal life. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5.18, it says, All things are of God who hath reconciled us to Himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us, to His disciples, to His followers, the ministry of reconciliation. So what does reconcile mean? That's, that's the key word in this passage. Reconcile is to coexist in harmony 
right? To bring back into a right relationship. So God hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ through that death, burial, and resurrection. But then as Jesus Christ is ascending to heaven, he says, now you guys have that same mission. The ministry of reconciliation. The ministry, the work, the job of making people right with their Father in heaven. That was committed to our trust. Not imputing the trespasses unto him, and he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So he's given us this incredibly big ministry of reconciliation, but he's given us a key tool, right? The word of reconciliation. So in dying on the cross and rising again, Jesus reconciled us back to God the Father. I mean, if, if that just, like, I could just say that, right? I just, like, said that sentence. But we were not existing peacefully. We were not right with God the Father, and Jesus made it right through that reconciliation, through his death, his burial, his resurrection, through conquering death, and our faith on that, we're right with God. Don't let words just be words. Let them take the, take the meaning of those things and, and ponder them, consider them. So Jesus was the reconciler. He gave us that same ministry. Okay, so you guys are in schools with people like these that need reconciliation. Dylan, you can hit it for me. People like these. <clears throat> so I asked, I asked for pictures of the high, like all of our high school team, junior high team, when they were like 17 years old. And they all delivered. It was wonderful. And then I was like, this has got to go in the message somehow. So, man, you guys are in schools with people like this. Maybe they don't have full-on beards just yet. <laughs> Mitch is looking super tough. So I think, you can, I think it's not very hard to identify who's here, right? Is anybody confused? This is the people that love you, care for you, and your soul. I think Mitch was probably the hardest one here. <laughs> so we're called to places where people like this are, and they need reconciliation as well. Um, we're called to the whole world, and it's made up of people just like these. And we're called to preach the gospel to every one of them, to see them reconciled back to God by following Christ's example. <clears throat> so I, I know that these people right here are so thankful for the people that were in their life that did what Jesus commanded, commissioned, committed to their trust. There was somebody that came alongside little Philip Murphy <laughs> at some point in his life and preached the gospel. Same thing for Mitch. I mean, Mitch will tell you. Go, go talk to Mitch about how dramatic of a change in life that was because somebody came alongside him and taught him the word of God. And the team's up in Boston. I know Adam Merritt played a big role in seeing this guy right here change the trajectory of his life, whether that was the initial seed of salvation or a, a later seed of, this is what God's word says, let's walk in it. So when we, when we take the commission and the command and the thing that God committed to our trust, Everything changes for the people that are in that sphere of influence. Every one of these lives was going in a different direction prior to Christ's word coming in and transforming. And you could argue with some of them, like, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> Come on now. Okay, so we've been called to the whole world. So I would just say start with the person that might look a little intimidating <laughs> or a little intimidating. <laughs> start with the person that's just in your life right now and love them and join them. All the things we were talking about relationally last week and then share the gospel with them as you have opportunity. Sometimes they'll be forced because you, you figure out you're doing it a minute and a half before you actually do it like Lauren did. Or sometimes you'll have been praying for that person for years 
in advance of getting that opportunity. But man, take that opportunity. So key point number one, <clears throat> in recognition of Romans 7.18 that says, I know that in me, so man, I'm calling you, God's calling you actually, to this big commitment, this big command, this big commission. And that feels pretty overwhelming if you really look at it, right? The whole world, every person, every soul, everywhere, go, teach. <laughs> that feels pretty overwhelming. And it is in light of Romans seven eighteen. It says, for I know that in me, in my flesh, dwells no good thing. How to perform that which is good, I find not. So that's who we are. So our key point number one is we're completely unable. This is encouraging. Thanks, Josh. We're completely unable to accomplish God's mission when operating in our own power. <clears throat> we're actually completely unable. We can't do it. Jesus is like, hey, you should do this. You should be a minister of reconciliation. You should take the word of reconciliation and you should go see the world saved. <clears throat> we, that won't happen. It just won't. We don't have the power in and of ourselves. So we have this incredibly daunting mission and zero ability to accomplish it. And that's, that's just sick, right? Awesome. <laughs> feeling good. Feeling edified. Super encouraged. We have zero ability to actually accomplish it. That's actually false. So, <laughs> next, empowered and equipped. I mean, not only are we com- like commissioned, it's committed to our trust, we're commanded to go and preach the gospel, but we're also empowered and equipped to do what God has called us to do. So while we don't have the ability in and of ourselves, I mean, we have that added to us. It's like this, it's the biggest upgrade that has ever occurred. I got like this garbage flesh bag that's not able to do anything good. God looks at it, he's like, gross. <laughs> and then I get God's spirit in me, and he's like, sweet, I like that. That's a good thing. Okay, so empowered and equipped. Uh, what are we empowered and equipped by? The first thing is God's spirit. So your first blank there under that section is God's spirit. Acts 1.8, again, familiar passage. Jesus is, is talking to his disciples right before he, like, just, I don't even, I, I always wonder what that looked like. If he just, like, Rashawn's not here, but some Naruto move where he just, like, and he, like, blasts up into heaven. <laughs> like, I, I don't think it was like that. He's a pretty humble, meek guy, so he probably didn't, like, make a move out of it to, like, get himself back up into heaven. But right before Jesus ascends, he says, Ye, disciples of mine, followers of, of Jesus, ye shall receive power. So if you think back to that word you said just a few slides ago, I have all power in heaven and earth. And then Jesus is like, you guys are going to receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So he's like, he references this commission he's already gave him in recognition that he's about to leave. And he's like, basically, be of good comfort. I'm about to give you all that you need. That's what Jesus says to his followers. So, man, we're empowered by God's Spirit. God's Spirit in us empowers us to fulfill the mission that he calls us to. And that's the only thing that empowers us to fulfill God's mission that he's called us to. God's Spirit within us. <clears throat> so, man, you got, I think as I look around, you guys are aware that if you, you have God's Spirit, when you, whenever you accept God, right? Whenever you accept Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, the Bible talks about how God's Spirit, just like it does right here, it enters into us, and it seals us. We're safe. We're secure. We can never lose our salvation because God's Spirit, it's an earnest. It's a down payment. It's this thing that comes in, and it's, ne- it's connected to our souls. It seals us until the day that Christ returns. 
He lives in you. He'll never leave you. And that's the same Spirit that now lives in you if you've accepted Christ that raised Christ from the dead. It's a lot of power. (laughs) This dude that was brutalized, Jesus was brutalized prior to going up on the cross. He's crucified. He's dead for three days and that power of God's Spirit raised him. He he raised by his own power. The Spirit power. (laughs) You said that weird, Josh. I did. (laughs) But that's pretty significant power, right? It would take a lot of volts in some weird defibrillator machine, right? How many volts is it, you weirdos? Nurses? (laughs) You're not weirdos. You know how many volts it is? Joules? Yeah, it's not volts, it's joules. So you're already an idiot, Josh. I don't even know what that means, though. There's no context for me. It's a lot. It's enough to make your body jump, right? And make everybody... It's like in a locked box, typically, right? So the idiots don't harm themselves. That's, that's a significant amount of power, and it's nothing <laughs> compared to the power that raised Christ from the dead. So, while we're weak in the flesh, we establish that. We have no ability to accomplish what God calls us to. And here's the key thing to consider. If we're talking about being evangelical in our lives, Manny, could you put your phone away, please? Thank you, sir. While we're weak in the flesh, that doesn't have to be our focus when we go out evangelizing. And I I really want that to land because that is our focus so much. (laughs) While we do these things that God has commanded, commissioned, committed to our trust, while we do them, so often our focus is our weakness. So much so that we don't even give God a chance to be that powerful God through us. Right? Our focus is on our weakness. It does not have to be when we share the gospel. We do not have to be preoccupied with who we are and what we aren't good at. That doesn't have to be the focus. And man, I, I just need these words to sink into my like into me as I go throughout my life. Because I'm so pre I'm so easily preoccupied with who I am, what I'm not able to do my weaknesses, my foolishness. God says, don't focus on that. We can focus on the power and ability of God to communicate His message through His Spirit according to His Word to other people. That can be our focus. And when that is our focus, we are freed from self-preoccupation. And that's such a good place to operate from, right? If you've just trusted the Lord, if you've just walked in faith and obedience to the leading of God's Spirit in you, you know what I'm talking about. So a key question to consider, it's on your paper, and you can write a response if you want. It's up to you. It just says, will you allow yourself to focus on God's power in you instead of your inability? So there's lots of circumstances that we run up into that if we're focused on our inability, we're just going to kind of be stuck there. We're going to flounder around for a while, and there's, there's consequences to operating in the flesh, right? But that doesn't have to be the case. Will you day by day, moment by moment, allow yourself to focus on God's power instead? Okay, so we have God's spirit in us that empowers us, but we also have God's word. That's our second thing that empowers and equips us. God's word. Romans 1.16, it says, I am not ashamed. And as I read this, I just want to challenge you guys. Like, do we operate like this is true? Like we really believe this? And again, I'm talking to myself. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Romans 1.16, do we believe that God's word, the good news of Jesus Christ, dying for our sins but rising again and conquering death in the grave, do we believe that that message 
is enough to save a soul when people place their faith on it. Because if we did, I mean, I think we would be, we'd be going around spewing that out everywhere. And again, God, help me to operate in light that this is, this is truth. This is his word. This is what he said. To everyone that believeth. So if, if I walked around operating like this was true, I would be sowing this seed of truth into Jerry's dad's life over and over. Because that's a hopeless situation. And you guys have those in your lives as well. You have siblings and cousins and I'm just talking about myself again. Siblings and cousins and parents in law or not. Friends, teammates. Their situation is actually hopeless relative to the power that you have to change it. Like you've tried to love, you've tried to support, you've tried to even give sacrificially into that thing. The thing that will, will bring them up out of that place is the gospel. It's them accepting Jesus Christ so that they have that same power indwelling them. <laughs> they have that new mind directing them. That's the only thing that's going to help that situation. I think we would be trying to share it left and right if we really believe this because their situation is already hopeless. And then when they believe it, everything changes. Just like that. Okay, so again, I asked counselors for some pro tips. So there were some embedded into the, the message last week. There are some this time as well. So Dylan, if you could hit this one from Jeff. A pro tip that Jeff had, which is actually a pro tip that Sam had for him. That's how it works sometimes. One thing Sam told me that really helped my approach to evangelism is there's a rule of seven. Until you invite someone seven times, you haven't yet invited them. That includes coming to church. That includes into a conversation about Jesus, who he is, to a Bible study, etc. So in terms of trying to reach people, I think it's safe to have these three priorities. Number one, prayer. Number two, patience. And number three, persistence. But they have to be in that order. Because if you're not praying first, it can be done in the flesh. It is done in the flesh. We're relying on ourselves instead of the Lord. If you have more persistence than patience, you will run people off. So I just thought this was really, really good. And if we could just stick this in our craw. Because we get discouraged, right? Like I invited that person to church that one time three years ago and they shut me down because of where they were in life at that point in time and they must be disinterested forever, right? And that's the logic that we, as I say it like that, you're like, that was kind of stupid. <laughs> I shouldn't do that, right? They might be in a totally different spot, more soft, ready to receive God's word, but we operate from this place. I operate from this place so consistently that says, I already tried with that person, so they're dead to me or <laughs> like they have no interest, right? And Sam's got some wisdom. Jeff's got some wisdom for us this morning. Okay, so God's word in us and with us, it empowers us. Um, And we have the opportunity to hide it in our hearts so that whenever these evangelical opportunities open, we're ready. We're ready to preach it. A word fitly spoken for that person in that time and that season of their life. God just opened it up. And I just want to encourage you guys, don't be ashamed. So a key question, will you allow yourself to be confident? Not not arrogant in and of yourself, but would you allow yourself to be confident in God's words instead of worried about your own? Instead of worried about you, how you can't talk right, how you can't put all the sentences and weave them together and use all the verses. That's all of us in reality. Some people are like better speakers than others, whatever. 
It's not the thing. That's not the metric by which people get saved. The gospel is the power of God and salvation. Faith cometh by hearing. Can you talk? Yes. <laughs> will, will we allow ourselves to be confident in God's words instead of worried about our own? Okay, so we have God's spirit, we have God's word, but last one, we have God's people. So your last blank in this little section is God's people. Ephesians 4.16 is talking about how this body that exists in Ephesians, they're talking about in chapters 4 through 6, really. It's fitly joined together. Every joint is supplying the needs of everything else. They're they're working um, unto the edifying of itself in love. So God doesn't give us this really incredibly difficult and vast mission to go do by ourselves. And you guys know that. You guys know that. But we feel like that's the case so often, right? I'm here all alone. Well, if you feel like you're there all alone, connect with someone that will support you. Even if it's like, as I'm looking around, you're like, well, I'm in a school and there's no other believers that actually want to like do the Bible study that I started two years ago. And it's kind of just been like, we're just moseying through the weeks. Nothing's, it doesn't feel like anything's really happening. That's, that's where you feel like it's at. We'll connect with somebody in this body, at least in prayer, right? <laughs> that they might be supporting and supplying that need. God doesn't give us this mission to be accomplished all on our own. He gives us what I view as a family. And I'm, I'm so, so thankful that I don't have to try and accomplish the things that God's Word calls me to all by myself because I'm weak. I, I get overwhelmed. I'm like, I got seven things to do today. And one of them is apparently preach the gospel to every creature. I'm like, oh gosh. I'm, a, I'm just like dying under the weight of all this stuff. I'm so thankful that I have, like, you guys. I've got Nates and Tiffs and Kennedys and Selahs and Wyatts to sharpen and encourage me. Like that's, I, I'm so rich. Because when, when you guys engage in the mission that God has called you to, whenever you guys take God's, God's command, His commission, the, the thing that He's committed to your trust, and you walk it out, that just lights a fire under me. That's the most exciting thing I can think about. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a very moderate, chill guy. But whenever I see you guys fulfilling the mission of God in your life, I'm like broiling inside. I'm like, I'm like, I'm excitable. You can like see emotion happen on me, and that doesn't happen that much. (laughs) So when when we're engaging in who God calls us to be consistently, we sharpen one another. I brush up against shoulders with with Seth, and Seth has been earnestly praying for somebody in his life, and I'm just encouraged to earnestly pray for somebody in my life. You guys, are, you guys have that type of thing happen week by week, whether you know it or not. You're like, dang, Jeff's really full of faith. There's two more kids for, from Grandview. I could invite somebody, I think, if I focus on God instead of my inability, right? So we see what's going on. We see how God's working. We see God's strength on display, which is what it is. It's not Jeff's awesomeness or Brock's awesomeness or whatever it is that we want to perceive it as. It's God's strength on display through that person, and we believe... I'm foolish and weak just like them. And God could use me similarly. God could do that in my life and circumstances and relationships as well, so we're provoked to go. So here's another tip from Rhonda. I feel like we worry and make it such a big formal thing, preaching the gospel. We worry we're not prepared, but actually it's a conversation. Maybe harder with a stranger, but just showing ourselves friendly and telling them what God has done in our lives, our personal testimony, what we believe, asking them questions and listening. But first, we need to be in the Word and praying. 
We need a relationship with him before we can tell others about him. So good. So key question, what do I have to fear when people like this, Dylan, you can hit it one more time. What do I have to fear when I get to engage in the battle for souls with these people by my side? What do I have to fear when I've got this gang (laughs) with me? (laughs) Whom shall I fear? (laughs) Not much. All right, this one's a little bit harder in discerning who they are, but got them all figured out. I think it's I think it's totally doable. Kind of all figured out. Who's this one? No doubt. <laughs> Questionable. Sus. <laughs> oh goodness. That's rough. He said he I don't I can't even believe him. He said he just dressed like that, like normally. Like that's really troubled. That's like a troubled youth right there. <clears throat> that's a troubled youth. And then on the very opposite end of the spectrum is Dan. Dan looks like he's never done a bad thing in his whole life. <laughs> he's just like a defender of all that is right. And it, it checks out. I would trust this man with my life <laughs> at that point in time, which is hard to say. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> even at that point. As a 17-year-old, I don't trust many 17-year-olds with my life, but I would trust that young man with my life. Got Rhonda and Brenda. Man, time flies. I feel as my eyes are like swollen shut. Uh, I'm old. (laughs) Okay, so key point number two. While we're completely unable to fulfill the mission that God's called us to and in our own power, we are completely able to accomplish God's mission when operating in His power, in God's power. We're completely able. So again, like words in the air, they're floating around. Will Will they become faith? You know, will we place our faith on... This is what God said. We're completely able to accomplish His mission when operating in His power. So there's this huge call, which is the whole world and everybody in it. But there's also huge power, because we just saw that God gives us everything that we need to accomplish that mission. So when we focus on ourselves, and we we don't preach about anything worth listening to. That's, That's just the reality of it. When we focus on the world, we're prone to be overwhelmed or work in our, in our own flesh. But when we focus on God, we have everything that we need. Okay, so the last thing we're going to look at this morning is like, why evangelism? I could spend my whole life in so many different ways, Josh. Why would I do it? Telling people that people are telling people that they're separated from a loving God, that they rebelled against Him, but they can be made right through placing their faith on Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So as I say that, it's like I kind of already answered the question, right? <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but let's, let's flesh it out a little bit. So our last thing we're looking at is reward. Reward in heaven and reward on earth. So Matthew 16, 24 through 27, Jesus again talking to his disciples, these people that say, I'm following you with everything that I have, Lord. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Oh, why would I do this? Well, Jesus commanded that we do it. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited? What does he gain? If he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. So if you're tired or whatever, here's the simple definite like illustration or 
explanation of what's going on here. Jesus tells his disciples if they give up their lives for his mission, they'll find real living. They'll find the life that he's designed us all to be living in. That's where it's at. But if they spend their lives trying to build up some garbage kingdom of things that are going to burn in this life, earthly riches, they'll lose it. They'll, they'll toil, they'll struggle, they'll do that. They might even be pretty good at it relative to others, but they'll lose their life, and it's not worth it. And these last couple of verses here, 27, primarily 27. The Son of Man shall come in the glory of His Father. Again, words can either be just words on a screen and in the book, or they can be God's words that like really make you consider. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, is going to come in the glory of His Father. Look up glory in the Father and what that looks like. The Son of Man is going to be coming in that glory, and He's going to reward every man according to His works what he did with this gift that was entrusted into his care. This thing he was commanded and commissioned and committed to his trust. What did he do with that? Jesus will reward every man according to his works, for good or bad. And that's the, that's the scary part, right? For good or bad. Here's a bad example. Um, 2 Timothy 4.14. I don't know if this reward is like on earth for Alexander or in heaven or both, is my guess. But this guy, Alexander the coppersmith, I don't know why that's funny to me. <laughs> Alexander the coppersmith. This man did me much evil. <laughs> Paul's giving an account to Timothy of this man. He says, this guy did me much evil. And then he's praying to God that the Lord would reward him as the Lord had already promised that he would. Reward him according to his works. That's a, that's a, I, I don't know what that guy did. I don't know what happened to him, but that was not good. That was not good for Alexander the coppersmith. So Paul prays that this guy would get what he deserved. And he did. I don't know what that looked like, but he did. And we will. Galatians 6, 7 7 through 9, it says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, he spends his life on, invests his time in, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap. Oh, fun. Corruption. (laughs) Excellent. But he that soweth to the Spirit, allowing that powerful Spirit that God has put into, our, into us, he that sows to that Spirit, yields to it day by day, follows in the mission that it leads us in, shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. <laughs> Corruption or life everlasting. Reward. Let us be weary in well-doing. Let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So we're, we're going to get what we earn as well what we spend our lives on as well. And one of the things that the world pursues, left and right, you see it all over the place, they might not name it like this, but one of the, the rewards that people are pursuing and that we want as well is joy. People are searching for joy. So Galatians, there's three verses right here. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. All these other things, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. We're searching for joy And God's Word says that the place that we get it is by yielding to walking in His Spirit. That's the way that it happens. Walking in God's Spirit produces joy. Period. Like simple, that's it. That's how it happens. Well, what does God's Spirit lead us in doing? Investing in souls. (laughs) Investing God's Word into people that they might accept Christ. And if that's not occurring in your life, I would challenge you to consider you're likely grieving God's Spirit. 
And that's part of why you're not feeling the joy you so earnestly desire. Okay, a couple verses left. First Thessalonians 2.20, it says, For ye are our, joy, our glory and joy. So Paul is talking to people in Thessalonica saying, You are my joy. Third John 1.4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And if you've ever made any sort of meaningful investment into another soul, God's word, into that person, you know what this verse is talking about. You know exactly what this verse is talking about. And if you haven't, you don't. <laughs> Like, that doesn't sound like teaching somebody the Bible, you know, like walking with them in their hardships and being with them and for them and seeing them come out of it, trusting the Lord. That doesn't sound like the most joy-giving thing that I could imagine. I would, I would challenge that you have never done that. John said that his children in the faith, people who had accepted Christ and began walking in it because of his ministry were his greatest joy. So, man, big big overwhelming question at the end. Will we believe God at his word and trust that this is where joy is actually found or will we search for it in the world? As I've lived life and it's, I mean, I don't have a ton of, like, I'd say I've been striving to follow the Lord with everything that I have for like the last seven years probably. It's been ugly at times, not very well done most of the time, I'd say. But I found if I want joy in this life, I need to just preach the gospel. Because as people accept it, I get to just rejoice like the angels in heaven do. As people walk in it, I can't think of anything sweeter. There's some really sweet things in life. I'm not discrediting those things. There's there's no greater joy. Charles Spurgeon, ever heard of him? said it like this, to be a soul winner is the happiest thing in this world. There's lots of quotes by guys that gave their life. They laid down everything <laughs> that the gospel might go to the world. They, they took that commission, they took those commandments, they took that it was committed to their trust, and they did it with the empowerment and the equipping that God had given them. And then they say things like, to be a soul winner is the happiest thing in the world. What else are we going to do? What else are we going to do with our life? Okay, so our last thing. Three blanks left, I think. Maybe, maybe a couple more. Five? Because there's a concluding point. Thanks, Chris. There's three instances where evangelist, that word, pops up in Scripture. And we can learn something from each of them. So first, uh, Ephesians 4.11. Evangelism as our ministry. Ephesians 4.11, it says, He gave some, God gave some people, to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And evangelism is real ministry. And that is convicting. <laughs> like, man, I'm trusting the Lord that this series falls out to this Roman series, the things that we're doing on Tuesday nights and Sunday mornings and Bible studies. We're trusting the Lord that those things, that investment falls out to you guys and us, man, if, if if we're just trusting kids to do stuff while we're not doing anything, I don't know what we're doing. The things that we're doing that are ministry, that should it should fall out to people hearing the gospel. So if all we're doing is having this weirdo dare series, like, that's a weird connection. I don't really get it. Okay, I'll say, oh, cool. And then we, nothing happens out of it. What are we doing? Evangelism is real ministry. Okay, so here's another pro tip. We get discouraged, right? Maybe you're feeling like Kylie was this day. 
She said, I was feeling discouraged one morning that I don't evangelize more. And that might be the thing you're coming up with. You're like, oh, crap, I just feel really bad. I was feeling discouraged one morning that I don't evangelize more. And what did I do? I asked the Lord to give me someone to share the gospel with. She prayed. That morning at church, two girls asked to talk with me. And I got to lead one of them to the Lord. It reminded me that sometimes we just need to ask the Lord of the harvest for a door. We have not because we ask not. When we ask, we ask amiss. I mean, we could just ask the Lord for these for these opportunities. And it's, this is like a really crazy, awesome example. You know, it's just like, <laughs> blop, <laughs> pretty instantaneously. It's not always that clean and crisp. But would we just ask the Lord in that from that place of discouragement, not go to a, this shame cycle where we check out and don't do anything for two months because we're trash. Lord, would you use someone that's foolish and weak like me? And then he will. So we can learn that evangelism is our ministry. Evangelism is also our work. So next one there, Dylan. Evangelism as our work. Second Timothy 4, 5, it says, But watch thou in all things. So Paul is commanding Timothy, Hey, this is how you should operate as a leader, as somebody that follows Christ. Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. So, again, if you've ever engaged in evangelism, you know that it's not flowers and roses all over the place. It's hard work. It's difficult. Evangelism is not ever going to be easy. So it felt easy in Kylie's example because it was just like plop right in your face, just share the gospel. But it's still uncomfortable to do that thing because our flesh hates it, right? So evangelism is never going to be easy. Don't wait for it to be easy because work is hard. (laughs) Work is difficult. It costs us something. Every time I've ever worked, there's been something that was more comfortable that I could have been doing in those moments. (laughs) Right? I I don't enjoy going to work for the most part. It's part in every time in my flesh. I don't want to go there. (laughs) Just go do that hard thing for hours and hours on end. They say, do, and you hear quotes like this, do something you love and you'll never work a day of your life. (laughs) It's kind of garbage, but then it's also true. (laughs) Right? Like if we're just sharing the gospel, we're going to have that joy. We're going to be walking in God's spirit. We're going to be doing the work of an evangelist, but it's going to be producing all this wonderful stuff. You know, like our children are walking in truth and it's going to feel like we're never working a day in our life. So here's a pro tip from Nate Dog, and I've been encouraged just being in ministry cl- more closely with Nate and Tiff recently. They're, they texted uh, the group of guys probably three weeks ago or so, and they're like, "Hey, can anybody just come hang out with us to play board games?" Because I invited this coworker and his girlfriend, or the other way around, her and his her boyfriend, <laughs> guy and girl. There it is. <laughs> They invited this, these friends over to play board games that they might build that relationship, that they might share the gospel, that these people might walk in truth, they might find joy in that. And it was super encouraging. I was like, bro, i got to spend all this time doing all this junk, and I'm convicted because I'm like, I need my life to open up so I have space to do stuff like this because that's what I want to do with it because there's nothing better. So I'm super excited for two months from now where my life doesn't have all these... I'm going to stop. <laughs> it's not as full, so I can make space for the stuff that I've been wanting the space to exist for. He said this, like, what's his pro tip? (laughs) I feel like a big part of it, sharing the gospel, is my own heart attitude and my willingness to be bold and speak. That's one of the main struggles of mine is choosing to be bold. But I feel like in the times that I decide I'm going to speak 
And the whole reason I'm even talking to this person is to share truth. In those times, God always seems to lead and guide the conversation, even if I have no clue what to say or how to start. Where was Nate's focus? It's not on his inability. It's on a predetermined, I will love this person and I will share the truth. God, give me opportunity. And as that happens, as he postures himself as, Lord, work through me, you can do it. He can. (laughs) And he does. And that's so beautiful. Okay, so evangelism as our ministry, evangelism as our work, finally evangelism as our identity. So I thought this was really cool. We've got Alexander the coppersmith. He's known for doing copper things. (laughs) But we also have Philip the evangelist. Acts 21, verse 8, it says, And the next day we were... We that were of Paul's company departed. So they're traveling around. And we came unto Caesarea. And we entered into the house of Philip the Evangelist. What a, what a dope name. That's awesome. I think it's the, it's the only time it's used like that. So these are the only three instances of evangelists in the Bible. And this is the only guy that gets called the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist. What a badge. You know, like, we got any Boy Scouts in here, you little weirdos? Boy Scouts, respectable. Sorry, I shouldn't do that. It's kind of strange, though. You wearing all these little badges for doing all these things. Jace, yeah? No? Oh, you're just, like, scratching. No, Boy Scouts, not a soul. Jeff's an Eagle Scout. Scout. You can tell by his picture. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. That's not cool. (laughs) And you earn these badges for all these different things. I started a fire. This guy gets to wear the badge for eternity. Philip the Evangelist. What a badge. That's what I want to earn. Sharing who Christ is and what he's done in our lives ought to be central to who we are as people. Bree, the evangelist. Like if, 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 a, if a single person just thought, Mitch, the evangelist, wouldn't that be, that'd just like, that's worth doing all the things in order to earn that badge. <laughs> that'd be pretty tight. Okay, so pro tip. Here's a long one. Some of these young ladies wrote, like, books for you. So on that second handout, if you don't read that second handout, I'm so sad. There's a second handout, and you don't do any notes on it. But on that second handout, Mac and Alyssa, they go out evangelizing, like, every week. And they say, this is what we do. And we do it intentionally. We don't give a crap. We're going to college campuses. We're going wherever. And we're going to share the gospel, and this is what we do. So if you don't read that, you're missing out, is what I'll say. But here's Lydia's pro tip. One of the things that has really impacted evangelism in my personal life is the impact of my Bible study girls. So she's part of a Akaya Bible study with a, a few other young ladies. Once a month, we go out on campus at UMKC, sometimes elsewhere also, and walk around meeting people. Weird. <laughs> and doing confrontational evangelism together. So it's not in the, in the midst of their relationships that they already have. They confront people. And that sounds like it's, I mean, it is. It's a confrontation. It's like, hey, can I ask you a question? And there's like this meeting. Confrontational evangelism. Through that, I have seen a growth in our group in being personally and individually envisioned and burdened to buy the field at UMKC and minister to students there. Many, if not all, of us have grown significantly in boldness because of this. And you go out consistently to preach the gospel, you start getting over yourself because you don't want to just be the person sitting in the corner scared the whole time, right? So they said, we're just going to do this consistently, and they've grown in boldness because of it. Doing this together has also impacted our individual lives in that I have personally been challenged through evangelizing together to be faithful to personally buy other fields in my life at work, school, etc. 
So I started evangelizing at UMKC, and then I couldn't stop in these other areas because there are souls there too. If people operate from perspectives like Lydia is expressing here, and Lydia would say, I'm not perfect, I don't do this everywhere, I'm, I'm afraid, all those things, they say in the, that other paper, I'm awkward, I'm afraid, that's there. But if we hold that perspective, that goal of the world and every soul gets smaller. It's still humongous, <laughs> but it gets smaller because we're sharing the gospel all over the place. I have seen other girls in our group also grow in personal evangelism in workplaces, family, school. Here's the last chunk. The accountability and encouragement of doing evangelism and ministry together encourages us to be faithful and to do it individually. So again, just cycle back. We've got God's spirit, we've got God's word, but we've got God's people with us. So don't do it alone. Find a way where you can engage. He's, he's talking to himself. Let's find ways where we can engage in sharing the gospel with people with our brothers and sisters right here. Okay, so you might be thinking, that feels, this is a really big message, feels really big, um, and I get that, I agree. <laughs> it's really big. But though you might be afraid or even just distracted from even engaging like this, God wants to use you as an evangelist like, and me. And that's weird because I suck. I'm distractible. God wants to use you as an evangelist. So when we set our trajectory towards faith, Dylan, you could hit it again. God moves us from being in these places to places where we glorify him in our lives. So I'm not saying everybody that's pictured here was not glorifying God in their lives, but I know they were not glorifying God in their lives to the extent that they are now because of God has changed how God has changed their life. As I look at these pictures, I'm thinking of my angsty wife who didn't even have a relationship with God. Like Mac would describe herself as like a hot mess. Like she was just all over the place. <laughs> Lauren's in a locker. Tiff looks really kind and just like Oliver <laughs> I don't know what's going on in her life at that point but <laughs> Philip's wearing a Slipknot shirt so that's trouble right <laughs> Alyssa again looks pretty kind like these two check out I don't know about this guy <laughs> he looks like he'll lay down his life for a country if he had to but also I don't know <laughs> well man when we, when we set our trajectory towards faith God moves us from being in these places where we just care about ourselves primarily to a place where we lay down our lives seeing people saved. So if it feels overwhelming, if you feel afraid, if it feels like too much, okay, that's true <laughs> for us. But think, think through the section of message that talked about who God is and who souls are and the condition that they're in, that reality. <sighs> okay, conclusion, here we go. We're getting to that final point. If we want, so it's not going to be there just yet. Hold on. You're like, Tiff's like, come on, come on. <laughs> Give it to me. If we want our atmosphere to be one where we lift up our hearts and our hands and everything that we have to God and worship, we need to grow devotionally. If we want to have meaningful relationships that lead to fruitful conversations, we should grow devotionally. You got it. <laughs> if we want to grow evangelically, we should grow devotionally. Because as we spend time with the Lord, Josh, you're being overly simplistic. Maybe so. Probably so. What's simplistic mean? <laughs> it's in that reflective, devotional time where we come into contact with the mind and the heart and the will and the, the perspective of God. 
And it's from that place where we become burdened for the things that he's burdened for. And that's particular people in our lives who need Christ's love and joy and comfort and peace that only he can give them. When we're in that devotional space, we see the great distance that is true for said person in our life and where Jesus is. We see that great distance. (laughs) That great, great distance that was there. And it causes us to cry out for help that God would do what only he can do, which is show that person, give them eyes to see what is actually true, his great, great love for them, what he's done to make them, he's reconciled, put in all the people in your life. He's, he's, he's made the way. He's reconciled them back to himself through Jesus Christ. And we see that and we cry out for help that they would accept that. When we have real devotional time with the Lord, We have God's heart, we have God's mind, we have a right viewing, and from this place we preach the gospel with boldness and confidence. So if it feels foreign or forced or awkward to preach the gospel, if you're going throughout your days and you're not even thinking about doing so, let the love of Christ constrain you. And that will happen through a real devotional life. A life where you're you're dwelling, you're abiding with the Lord. So here's our last verse. Ziz. John 15, 1-8. I'll just, you guys are familiar with this, but Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye. So if we're talking about fruitfulness, how we need to grow in being fruitful, grow in our evangelism. Man, we can't do anything. You can't bear fruit. No more can ye except ye abide in the vine. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So if we're not being fruitful, if, if our evangelism is falling flat, it's if we believe what Jesus is saying, it's because we're not abiding in him. So I, I just want to purpose to dwell with the Lord, to abide with him. Conclusion, our fruitfulness and our evangelism is directly connected to whether we are abiding with the Lord. Our fruitfulness and our evangelism. There's nothing coming. I'm trying to talk to people. Nothing's coming out of this thing. They're just, they kind of like hear it and then they walk away. Let's just abide with the Lord and he's going to do that work. Because he's got all that power, right? Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, I just pray that although we're using passages that we might be familiar with, although there are things that um, strive to get in the way of these seeds of your word getting down into our heart and taking root and transforming us, God, I just pray that you would help us to, to, to set our trajectory to a place of faith and belief that you are who you are and your word is what it says it is and you can do all things through us. God, strengthen us to do your work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so before we wrestle around, we got 15 minutes in here. I want to challenge you guys to some tangible things, right? That was, been, that was part of the big desire of this whole series was to give you things you could hold on to. Give you things you could hold on to that you could take from this place, right? So you have a handout, Sure. You have an additional handout, which again, please read that. It's really good. It was really encouraging and challenging to me. Manny, chill for just a minute. So here are some tangible steps you could take. And if you want to, like I'll sit down with everybody in here. If you want to do that with me, I have spring break this week. I will help you mark your Bible up if you want. I think there's other leaders that would be glad to do that too. Um, If you're in the place where you're like, I don't know how to share the gospel. Maybe you want one of these bad boys. Mark, pick in your Bible 
or your pocket or the back of your phone case, however you want to do it. And it has Romans 3, 23, 10, 9, 10, and then a prayer. So this thing that Rhonda hooked us up with, um, we probably just need to have a constant supply of these things. I need to order this. I need to keep one. Or Mitch. Mitch, Mitch hooked us up. So this is a very simple thing you could get work through with somebody, right? If this is in my Bible and I bring not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, I open it up and then we work through these passages together. And it doesn't matter that you're like looking off a little bookmark. They don't give a... If they do, whatever, <laughs> right? Yeah, well, they definitely care. Well, then take them, write it down, go to Romans 3.23, put a bookmark, bookmark there, and then when you're on Romans 3.23, it's 5.8, so you Learn how to flip around in your Bible. If you're like, I can't bring up. Well, that's interesting. But also, maybe just use your phone. You can do the exact same thing. Open up your phone. Open up Blue Letter Bible. Go to Romans 3.23 and make a little note. Make a little bookmark that says Romans 5.8 until you have this thing ingrained in your head so you know where to go in order to bring people through the steps of how they can be saved, Right? If people can really be saved, you should take the four minutes that it would take to do this, right? Like, okay, so you can grab a bookmark. Um, you could mark your Bible or put notes into your phone app. Um, you could take those counselor tips and you can reflect on them and say, man, I'm going to use that ask method. Somebody read that real quick. What was Mac's method? Everybody's already got their notes put up. Tragic. What was it? Ask permission. Ask permission. Hey, could I, could I bother you for a second? Can we talk for like a couple minutes? Do you have a couple minutes? Ask. Yes. Share the gospel. This might seem incredibly weird. So Mac postures everything in there. She's like, hey, this is actually pretty awkward. This thing I'm about to bring up. She's like, I don't like blindsiding people. It makes me feel a lot more comfortable to just be like, well, um, this might seem really interesting or really weird, really peculiar because it doesn't happen that often. But man, I just felt really compelled to talk to you. What do you, what do you think about Jesus? This is who the Bible says he is. He, he died, he rose again, and you share the gospel. You walk through that process. So you ask him for permission, you share the gospel, and then K, you keep that conversation going. Because you might have two minutes, right? With this person that you meet at Loose Park or whatever we're doing for Fourth Friday that we need to plan in a couple weeks. Keep that conversation going. Hey, I know that we just had a couple minutes. Could I maybe get your number and we could get together for coffee sometime? Or you could come to a hangout? Or you could come to church even? You trust the leading of God's Spirit on which one of those things are, right? Well, which one do I do? I need to have a prepackaged that fits every... No. <laughs> trust the Lord. Right? So you, there's, a, there's a method, there's a model that's very simple that you could remember to ASK, right? Ask, share, keep the conversation going. So those hopefully feel tangible. If they don't feel tangible enough and you're like, bro, I need more. <laughs> I need... I'm, I'm very slow like you. Just come to another slow guy and then we'll try and figure it out. We'll get somebody quicker to help us out. Okay? So we got 10 minutes left. Um, let's just make it that chill time that we did last time. Okay? If you want to practice sharing the gospel with each other, go ahead. <laughs>